How's everybody doing today? Come on, clap your hands. Everybody doing all right? How was your holiday weekend? All right, that sounds very exciting. <laughs> One person was like, good. You could tell it changes as you become an adult and you have to start buying gifts. It's like, oh yeah, it's all right. Um, ours was pretty good. Um, was doing very well. Woke up that morning. Everything's doing good. And my wife needed something from the supermarket. Go to the supermarket, pick it up, lay on the couch, and I start getting the chills. And next thing I know, I got a stomach bug. And next thing I know, Jason got it. Next thing I know, Ayana got it. And we're like, all right, we're good. This is it. It's three of us, three for three, you know. And then 1 o'clock in the morning on Friday, Alana gets it. So we spent our holiday weekend with a stomach bug. So uh, Merry Christmas to that supermarket that had some kind of contaminated. <laughs> he left me a wonderful gift. So, um, you know, that bug was just great. So um, we're healed. We're delivered. You know, <laughs> you know, no special service or nothing. You know, it just ran its course. God had his way. Um, there was a release in my house. Those of y'all that come from church, y'all know what a release is. We had a release in my house. Amen. Uh, so glory be to God. My whole house is delivered from this stomach bug. Um, it's funny because when it hit Alana, uh, I ran out and grabbed JJ and I put him because I was healed at that point. So I, I grabbed JJ because I was like, he's not getting sick and Rachel's not getting sick because uh, she's the CEO of the house. And if she gets sick, the operations is all messed up because uh, daddy will be ordering out until she gets better. So um, we had to keep her saved under the blood. And um, we grabbed JJ. I literally sprayed disinfected all over him. And I put him under the covers and I wrapped him. I said, I said we're going to save you. If nobody saved in this house, God's going to deliver and keep my five-year-old. So God has been good because JJ is the only kid in my house that did not get the stomach bug. Amen. So we're going to just. Uh, so he was delivered. Um, but other than that, everything was good. I'm looking forward to the new year. Everybody excited about the new year. All right. Um, hopefully you didn't just write your resolutions now. Hopefully you start working on them now. Don't wait till January 1st. Get them done now. Um, so everything is great. I'm so happy to see some uh, wonderful faces. And I'm not going to embarrass them, but they're all the way from Connecticut. My family's here. <laughs> and um, the lady on the road next to them, that is not my mother. <laughs> no, some of y'all looking at her like... First Lady Morfitt? No, that's not, that's not First Lady. That's my mom's twin sister. That's my mom's twin sister. She's here. Um, so I'm grateful to have my family here with me today. Um, wonderful to see all those beautiful faces. I got teenage cousins now and pre a preteen cousin now. So, wow, I'm getting old. So we're going to go right to the word, all right? Um, I don't have a series today. Um, Y'all know usually we preach in series. Uh, we just came out of the Advent season. Um, so we're going to start working towards our mission statement um, just to get some clarity on what Hope Haven is about. Those of you who are familiar with the church, you know we're only three months old. Um, uh, but it's been a great three months. 
It's been a great three months. Um, we started out as just a small Bible study in my house um, about a year and a half ago with about eight people. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And um, I know you guys see the crowd today, but believe it or not, there's still a lot of people missing. Um, so just imagine um, if those folks came in here as well. Um, it literally has just snowballed in the last year. And I am so grateful um, for what God is doing. So we're going to go right to the word. You guys are ready? All right. If you're ready, grab your Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, grab your phone. If you don't have a phone, grab your tablet. If you have an Android device, just meet us right here. All right. You guys, some of y'all really be offended. Like, I ain't coming back here no more. <laughs> it's just a joke. iPhone, for real. All right. So we're going to go to the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, starting at the 16th verse. Um, I gave Darnell's a poor a whole lot of verses, but I'm going to go probably up to about the 26th verse, if that's all right. Um, you guys ready? If you ain't ready, it's right here. Come on now. You always get that one person turning the pages. All right. So it's the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, starting at the 16th verse. When you get there, say amen. All right. That sounds good. It says, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Hmm. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them in the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's came loose. I want to work with the topic on today, the unexpected. The unexpected. Look at your neighbor and say the unexpected. Unexpected. Uh, because sometimes in our lives, God does things when we pray that we don't even expect him to do. Sometimes there's unexpected blessings that fall down in our lives that we don't even expect God to do. And you just call yourself praying. You just call yourself trying to be a good person. And every once in a while, God will just drop an amazing blessing on your life. So we're going to deal with 
Acts, the 16th chapter and the 16th verse. And when we get there, we see that Apostle Paul and Silas are on their way to the temple to pray. And during this time, uh, what they would do is because it was Christianity at this point, this is the early, early stages of the church. This is right after Jesus has died on the cross. Uh, there's still an uproar over this so-called new religion called Christianity. So people were being persecuted and killed by believing on the name of Jesus. So what happened was, is they would go by the river or they would go to certain places to pray out of fear that basically they would be killed for preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel with people or even practicing praying unto a Jesus that had died, that, they, that the Jews struggle with, with being the Messiah. So Paul and Silas are on their way to prayer. While they're on their way to prayer, isn't this how the devil works? They were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. They're on their way to prayer and they're interrupted by the devil. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Every time we try to get into a place of prayer, it just seems like there's a whole lot of interruptions. Anybody ever been there before? Where you're just interrupted you're, you're trying to, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, and you know, you're praying, but then you start thinking about something on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, Paul and Silas are on their way. They're just trying to pray, and immediately they get interrupted by this young female slave who had a spirit to predict the future. Now, when we read the book of King James, it goes further. It's not just able to predict the future. I'm going to have to grab another mic. She's not able to predict the future, but she also had the ability. Y'all hear me? It sound all right? But she also had a spirit or she was possessed with a demon. Mm. So this demon that influenced her allowed her to predict the future. Does this make sense? Now we go a step further. She had something that they called the spirit of Python. And what this was, was this was a spirit that they said treated your body as if though you were a dummy and you were under the power of a ventriloquist, which meant that you took on the voice of whatever controlled you, which is why Paul knew that it wasn't necessarily this young lady that was predicting the future because when she would speak, it wasn't her natural voice. Mm. So not only is this young lady a female slave to a master, but her soul is also enslaved as well. So she's all she's slave, she's enslaved two different ways. And the first master doesn't care because the second master is making him money. Mm. Doesn't care about the soul of this young lady because the spirit that she has is making them a whole lot of money. And it's dangerous and it's scary. That there are some folks that have gifts and we're so concerned about what the gift can do to us or for us that we don't think about the torture that is behind the gift. Does that make sense? So now we see here that this lady, this young lady has the ability to predict the future. She's earning her master's money and watch this. And she sees Paul and Silas walking and she starts yelling out who they are. 
which tells us that even the devil knows who Paul and Silas is. Can I go a step further? There's a scripture uh, a couple chapters earlier, I believe, where there was these sons who were called the sons of Sceva. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, all right, about two of y'all remember that. We're gonna, we'll do that in a couple weeks. And these were seven sons who started dabbling in stuff, and they picked up demonic influence. And Paul, the same guy, comes to them, and they say, or, or Paul is, is, is laying hands and doing all of these miracles, and they try to do the same thing Paul is doing. And now they come into demonic influence, and the demons recognize that they really don't have the Holy Spirit. So what do they say? They say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But I don't know who you are. And the demons tortured them to when they went running naked. So this young lady has a spirit on her, but the spirit understands the anointing that is on Paul. So she starts yelling, these servants are the most high of, the, or, I'm sorry, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She knows what their assignment is. And she's yelling it out, but she's basically yelling it out to mock them. I'm going to go somewhere in a minute. She's yelling it out to mock them. Next verse. She kept this up for many days. So watch this. They're going to the temple every day praying. And every day this young lady is screaming out, these men are the servants of the most high God. And she's basically mocking them. And she's yelling out, these men are the servants of the most high God. She's under the influence of a demon. She's not speaking with her own natural voice. And finally, Paul gets upset because he recognizes that although she has a gift, that is not who she is. So what does he do? Finally, Paul becomes so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. That moment one of her slave masters no longer had control over her. But there's still another slave master that has control. Now, what did I tell you? One slave master was helping the other slave master make some money. Now that this one slave master has been released, the other slave master is mad because Paul is messing with my money. Forget the fact that Paul has helped her soul. Paul has messed with my money. Y'all, y'all with me? I don't, I, don't, I don't care about the fact that she's delivered. I don't care about the fact that she's no longer under the influence of demonic control. I'm upset because this girl was making me money every night. And now all of a sudden, because you want to cast out demons, you're messing with my cash. So watch this. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar. Now, where did they throw the city up into uproar? Nowhere. They lying. But because this thing has messed with their money, now they're going to magnify the story. 
the truth of the matter is, is that they, he's actually brought some deliverance to this young girl. But now, since he's messing with my money, you've caused the city to go up in the uproar. And you're advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. And during that time, any type of unlawful custom was actually punishable, and you were thrown into prison for that. So what they did was they charged Paul with something that he didn't necessarily did do. All he really did was release a woman from demonic influence. Y'all with me? The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rocks. All for releasing a young lady that had issues. Paul is now being whipped and beaten for saving a soul. Does this make sense? After that, they had been severely flogged and they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, watch this, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks, meaning they could not move their feet. Their feet had handcuffs pretty much tied to the ground and they were stocked or they were controlled or they were uh, chained to the ground so that they could not move. Now, I'm going to go a step further real quick. Y'all with me? Because um, I've heard this message preached a hundred times, especially in um, charismatic circles. And, you know, y'all already know we're getting ready to go. And, you know, they praise their way and the prisons opened up. But how can you praise God with your feet when your feet are tied to stocks? So there was no shouting. There was no dancing. There was no praise break because their feet were tied up. Oh, I'm going to talk today. There was no, you know, run around five times and tap, tap your neighbor and y'all know all that. Come on, give them a high five and stomp your feet four times. None of that could happen because their feet were fastened to stocks, which means that they had to find another way to praise God. Mm. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and what? Singing hymns to God. Watch this. And other prisoners were listening to them. Y'all with me? Their feet are tied, but their mouth ain't tied. Their feet are tied, but their mouth ain't tied. And because their mouth is still open, they're still able to give God some praise. Y'all quiet? So the Bible says, let everything that have breath, what? Praise the Lord. They're now praising God when they can't move their feet. And watch this. And their praise reaches the ears of other people. Sometimes you don't know when you're under circumstances and under pressure Who's watching you? And now we see here that they're under pressure, but they're praising God and singing hymns to God, and they don't know what their tomorrow consists of. Can I go a step further? There is nowhere in this scripture that says that they're going to come out. There's nowhere in this scripture that says that they're going to live to see another day. There's nowhere in this scripture that says that God is going to release them from prison. 
but yet they still give God a praise. And that's why in Philippians 4 and 4, this is in the city of Philippi as well, Paul says what? Rejoice in the Lord, I say. Rejoice. Y'all remember that? Now, how in the world can you rejoice when you're inside a prison? How in the world can you be content? How in the world can you trust God when you don't know what your, what your tomorrow consists of? And what this shows us is how to give God praise even when things are not going our way. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But you know what? While I'm here, let me, let me show other people how to praise God even when I'm so-called down. And there's other prisoners who are sitting here listening to them sing, and they're saying, how in the world can they sing when they're in this prison? How in the world can you sing when the doctor has said you have stage four cancer? How in the world can you sing when the doctor says you only have a few more weeks to live? Paul and them don't know what tomorrow consists of, but they've learned how to be content in praise regardless of what tomorrow holds. Watch this, because they were better than how many of us think. See, many of us think about tomorrow, but Paul was content in knowing that what I'm doing now is for something eternal. Hmm. A lot of us don't think about eternally. We think about what can I do today for tomorrow? But are you living a life today that is fitting for you to have eternity with Christ? It's quiet in here. Are you living a life today and are you live, trying to live a life that is pleasing to God? that will set you up to have eternal life with Christ forever. So Paul now, watch this, and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and they don't know whether or not they'll be slain tomorrow, but they're still praying, they're still worshiping, and they're still singing hymns. And watch this. And then suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison doors were shaken. They were not expecting the prison to be open. So all that I'm praising him to release the gates, that is not what the text is saying. The text is actually saying, if he never releases me, the last thing that will come out of my mouth is, God, I thank you for the life that you have given me. This is hard to swallow, y'all. If you don't open the prison, if they would have died that next morning, the last thing that those sailors or those prisoners would have heard was Paul and Silas praying and giving thanks to God. And if we were to die tomorrow, what would be the last words coming out of our mouth? Would you be known as a complainer? They say the last thing I heard was, oh, they're getting on my nerves. Oh, I can't stand this job. We get at your funeral and we just got to talk about how evil you was. She sure enough hated to come to church. I heard last time I seen her, she was sitting right behind me just complaining. I wish this would hurry up. I don't know what this pastor talking about. Will he just sit down? 
But no, the last thing that these prisoners would have heard if the foundations of the prison were never open was a praise coming out of their mouth. So let me ask you this. What type of influence with that, is that on those prisoners? Y'all with me? What type of influence did Paul and Silas have on those prisoners by showing them how to praise God when they were in the same situation as them? Hmm. Y'all with me? So now, at once, watch this, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. <laughs> Only two of them prayed, but everybody else got free. Now, what, what, could you imagine the testimony when you weren't even praising God and all of a sudden your chains got loose? I guarantee you what will come out of your mouth next too is, thank you, Jesus. This Jesus must be real. So them being in prison, are you with me? Them being in prison was a testimony to other people. Oh, man, I wish y'all could hear me. Was a testimony to other people of how God can bring you out if you can praise him and be content in your situation. I know y'all don't want to hear this. We want to hear about praise our way out. But sometimes, I'm here to tell you, sometimes you ain't going to come out. Mm. Sometimes things are not going to change overnight. Sometimes it's going to be hard another year. Y'all ain't trying to hear this. You're supposed to preach hope 2019 and, you know, in 2019, I'm going to be clean. In 2019, God's going to make me free. No, no, no. 2019, God's going to teach you some more lessons. I'm sorry, y'all. I know we like to teach that everything's just going to change, but sometimes you might have to stay in a tough spot. And God wants to see how you're going to handle staying in that tough spot a little bit longer. And it's going to be when you least expect it that suddenly things will change because you can prove to God that I can give you praise and I can be thankful even in my hardest places. Help me, God. I'm talking to myself now. Sometimes it's in the hardest places that God keeps you because sometimes your greatest praise and the most dedicated time of prayer is when you stay in your hardest places. And sometimes when God brings you out, you forget how to pray. When God brings you out, you forget how you used to cry and ask God to bring it out and when is things going to change. So sometimes he'll keep you in a hard place to show you how to remain dedicated in prayer. Now all of a sudden those prison doors fly open. Everyone's chains come loose. The jailer woke up. He saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword. He's about to kill himself. He thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Watch this. 
I don't know about y'all, but if those, those gates would have opened, I would have been gone. <laughs> All right, I got some safe, some real safe folks that's telling the truth. <laughs> once, they, once them chains would have came off, I'd have already been in Jerusalem. <laughs> it wouldn't have been no, don't kill yourself. But Paul, <laughs> Paul stops right there, watch this, and says, don't harm yourself. We're right here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Watch this. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? A jailer is asking a jailbird how to be saved. Which meant that it took for Paul to go to jail to get somebody saved in jail. Y'all miss it. Sometimes God will put you in tight spots to help another person in a tight spot get out of a tight spot with you. Can I go a step further? So in the beginning, we talked about a young lady that was delivered because Paul was on his way to prayer. We talked about jailers who heard Paul praying and singing hymns, and they were released. And then we hear about a jailer who was getting ready to kill himself when he seen that Paul's release happen, which meant that it was necessary for Paul to go where he had to go so that a whole bunch of people could be saved. Sometimes you never know why God has you in certain places. Sometimes you don't understand why you're in certain places that you are, but sometimes the hardest places in your life is part of God's assignment. I know y'all don't want to hear this today. Sometimes he has you where you are so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Anybody else, anybody else besides me ever been in a place before and you didn't understand why you were there, but then you look back and you gain relationships and built friendships with people and places that you never thought that you should have been at in the first place. It was God's design to put you there so that other people could see your light shine, like Roy said, and that they can say, what must I do to be saved? So we must, in this season, and maybe tomorrow I'll get a word of joy and holler and scream and we'll run around the church. But today, no. Today what I want to challenge you is maybe next year everything won't be perfect. Y'all not used to this. <laughs> At least I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not used to it. I'm used to told every year, January 1st is going to be my year. And by January 30th, I'm like, Lord. <laughs> I'm here to say maybe January 19th or January 2019 won't be your so-called year. Y'all like, nah, why you got to talk all down this morning? Maybe 2019 won't be your so-called year. Y'all with me? Maybe things won't just get better. Maybe there won't be a promotion this year. Hmm. Maybe things won't get all the way better. But my question is, how are you going to handle where you are if it doesn't get so-called better? Are you going to complain? Because if you're complaining, somebody's watching you. And then not only are they watching you, but they're saying, ain't that the Christian? 
Ain't that the church lady? Ain't that the church guy? Ain't that the, la the lady that's always told me Jesus is going to make everything all right? Why is she over there complaining like me? But maybe if she watches you, still keep the same joy. Still keep the same praise. She'll say, you know what? Maybe she's on to something. And then suddenly, when things start to change, you're showing them an example of how to keep joy even in tough circumstances. Y'all with me? Sometimes God is putting us in tough places to be a blessing to folks that are there and have no way out. See, you have a way out because you know the truth. You have the gospel. You have the word of God. You know who Christ is. And because you know that, there's always hope. But there's somebody in the same situation as you that's hopeless. And they, they can't see their way out. They don't know how things are going to change. And they need to see us. Those of us that call ourselves Christians, people of God, they need to see us always having hope. Because if we become hopeless, then everybody's hopeless. You never know who's watching you. And because you, and I'm not telling you to fake it, sometimes we just have bad days. But what I'm telling you is we have to always remain optimistic because we serve a God that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Can I go one more step further and I'm going to sit down? How many of you remember the story of uh, the three Hebrew boys? All right, two of y'all, praise God. All right, three. All right, four. Oh, y'all good. All right. What was their name? Shadrach? Mish? There we go. All right, some of y'all paid it. There you go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all remember them? Where were they put? In a fiery furnace. And what were they saying when they were in there? Even if he doesn't bring us out, he's still able to bring us out. Meaning that whatever God's will is, I'm going to accept it, but I'm never going to doubt that he's able to do it if he wants to do it. Meaning that I depend completely on the sovereignty of God. You want to go a step further? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane did not, in his flesh, want to go to the cross. So what did he say? Father, if it's thy will, Let this cup pass, but nevertheless, if it's thy will, let it come to pass. And what happened? He still had to go to the cross. God is able to bring you out. But if he never brings you out, don't you ever question whether or not he's able. So I'm closing here, y'all. You never know, and I'm, I'm stopping here. I want you guys to think about this. If I don't see you until the new year, you never know who's watching you. You never know what person is looking at you in your tough situation. And when we start grumbling, mumbling, complaining, yelling, God, why me? Well, if it ain't you, 
Who should it be? Uh-oh. Y'all ever hear the people? Why'd that have to happen to me? Well, who should it have happened to me? <laughs> I just don't understand why I'm sick. And they looking at you. No, you no, I know, God. <laughs> we can't be walking around like that. You have to constantly accept the will of God. And I know that's hard. And I've been saying this for the last year and a half since I've been teaching these Bible studies. Because everything you can't praise your way out of. Everything you can't shout your way out of. Everything you can't give an offering out of. You're going to give your offering to church, going to say thank you, and you're still going to go home with your issue. You're going to dance for two hours, and things still ain't going to change. Sometimes God will put you in tough places because he knows who's able to go through those tough places and make it out. So sometimes you need to pat yourself on the back that it's a badge of honor that God knows that I'm strong enough to go through what I'm going through and come out of this. Because if somebody else would have gone through some of the stuff I went through in my life, they would have died a long time ago. Anybody got to test them? I ain't asking y'all to testify, but some of y'all have been in some tight places. Some of you have been in some tight spaces. Some of you have been in some places that if you told us, we'd be looking at you like, Lord, you was there. But if it was only God's plan and only God's mercy and God's grace that brought you out, and if anybody else would have been in the same situation that you would have been in, they would have been dead years ago. They would have been in prison. They would have been strung out on drugs. They would have been wherever homeless but God kept you because he had a plan for you and that's why we give him praise I'm trying not to holler in here but that's why we give him praise I give him praise because I could have been worse I give him praise because things could have been worse this year. I could have lost some loved ones. I could have lost my life. I could have lost my job. Can't stand the job, but I still got a job. Can't stand how everything's going, but it's still going. Can't stand how things are looking in my life, but I still got a roof over my head. I still got a car. I still got my children in their full health. And if all I had to deal with was a stomach bug this year, thank God for the stomach bug. Three points, and I'm going to sit down. Four points. And I'm going to sit down. She's like, sit down. Don't allow your prayer life to be interrupted. Number one. You hear me? Don't allow your prayer life to be interrupted. Set that time aside every morning, every night. No matter, I don't know, you know, some of us like to pray in the morning. Some of us like to pray at night. I'm not a morning person. I'm the brother that say, thank you, Jesus, and roll over. But some of y'all, y'all good. But I'm a night owl. I'll give him a praise at one in the morning. But set some time aside and don't allow that time to be interrupted with you and God. Number two, your situation shouldn't determine your praise. Understand that God is sovereign. Understand that everything will not always be perfect. But don't allow your circumstances to dictate your praise to God. Number three, remain remaining a positive focus on Jesus can release unexpected blessings. Sometimes it's when you least expect it that God will drop things on you and show up when you didn't even expect him to show up. So it's good to keep a positive attitude. It's good to stay optimistic. 
It's good to keep a praise on your lips. It's good to keep a prayer life because you never know when God will unexpectedly drop a blessing on you. And number four, unbelievers are watching how you handle your tough circumstances. You never know who's watching you. (laughs) You never know who's watching you. It's with my buddy the other night. And um, there was a, a restaurant, and it's just me. This ain't nobody else. I ain't, I ain't judging nobody else. But it was a restaurant with a nightclub right above it. And I was like, I can't go in there. He was like, why not, man? It's, they, we eat in a restaurant. I said, they going to think I'm the guy up there jamming. <laughs> I was like, I'll be the one that they going to take a picture of and be like, yo, guess who was in the club tonight? That pastor at Hope Haven. So I said, I got to watch. This is me. I ain't talking about y'all. Go ahead. Get your butterfly on. (laughs) They still do the butterfly? All right. The Tootsie Roll. (laughs) Let me stop. Um, You never know who's watching you. So I'm always cautious of making sure I'm not in any type of compromising position to where people will see me and try to put me in that type of situation. Now, if I'm somewhere ministering, and uh, you know, we were out a couple months ago, uh, downtown Broadway, and all types of people came to us, and I was ministering. Nothing I can do with that. But if, I, if I'm putting myself in positions that compromises what I'm supposed to stand for, it kind of makes me look a little suspect. So. I'm always careful of my surroundings. Y'all with me? Father, we thank you for the word on today, God. We ask God today, God, that you touch us as we enter into this new year. Woo! God, help our belief. Help Help us with our belief. Help us in our faith. God, sometimes things are tough. We don't understand, but God, we pray, God, that you give us the strength to endure and to trust in you even in our tightest and our most difficult places and phases in our life. God, some things may not change overnight. God, 2019 may not be some supernatural year where houses and cars and land fall from the sky on us. But God, we will praise you. We will worship you. And we will be thankful and content with what you bless us with. Strengthen us, God, so that we can work harder. Strengthen us, God, so that we can get better opportunities. But God, if those opportunities don't present themselves immediately, God, don't allow us, God, to lose our faith in you. But God, you have been faithful this far. You've been faithful this long. And there's no way in the world that we can challenge your ability or your strength We know that you're able to do anything. So, God, we ask, God, that you strengthen us, God, to continue to trust you in this season. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Um, So tomorrow we're going to be, um, we're not necessarily bringing the new year together because we're going to be here from about 7 to 9, but we're going to just have a New Year's uh, fellowship. Um, just some words, some worship, some fun, some food, um, 
and we're just going to enjoy ourselves together before we enter into the new year. So if I don't see some of you um, until the new year, happy new year. I pray that it's a prosperous year. I pray that God does everything that he has in plan for your life. And I love you all. God bless you. And at this time, we're going to serve our communion. Um, this will be our last communion of the year. Praise God. <clears throat> and after we serve communion, uh, we will dismiss you. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.